Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. So good morning as well. Welcome to No Snow Sunday. We're here, right? Who knows the next couple days, right? All these little weather apps are all conflicting with one another. We really don't know. Only God knows, but be prepared for whatever, right? But we're glad you took time here today to meet with us together. Something special coming together. Uh, We're week two in a series called More Than Meets the Eye. And so this series is all about trying to get our ourselves out of ourselves. And we're trying to, to the, the, we, I shared last week about that I, that I have an eye problem. Maybe you have an eye problem. If we're really trying to have a vision of 2020, we've got to take care of, we've got to take care of something. And that's the, the issues of our own life. And that is, the issues is the fact that we make it about us. And, and so I'm hoping as you're going in 2020 and all that you're hoping and doing and everything that isn't about you, uh, that's, it's beyond you. It's more, more than meets the eyes is the theme with that. So I don't know how to, Last week we talked about how to get over, overcome ourselves is to serve, and because we know we live in a very self-serving society, and we're all caught up in ourselves, and it makes it it makes it tough to when we go back into our culture. So I don't know how everybody did. I, I didn't do too well last week since it was my birthday, so it was really like I don't want to make this week about me, but you know it makes it kind of tough. But I don't know what your week looked like, but we fight against this culture, and I think one of the things that's that as our battle is is that we have something that we that we desire within us but actually our culture reinforces it and it really has come comes down to this as even as uh, Logan gave it away which is fine talking about happiness is that that we at the end of the day whatever we're our, our, we, we would say maybe our highest value we can get caught up is is really focus on what makes us happy you know turn on click on strive around us, there's this culture of this quest for happiness. So here's the question I have is, who here wants to be happy? Who here wants to be happy? Raise your hand. Happy. Some of you are like, is this a trick question? Like, well, actually it is. It is. It's okay. Put your hand up. I would have my hand up too. But being happy is great. And God desires for us to live. And so just to reinforce the fact is that Psalms 97 and I love what it says in the, in the Living Bible. It says, may all who are godly, what does it say, be what? Be happy in the Lord. All who are godly, all be happy. There's, a, there's something that we need to realize is that God's a good God and we serve a, a loving God. And God loves us so much that he wants to bless our lives. He wants us to prosper, give us a hope, give us a future. God wants us to enjoy our lives. But the bottom line of this, I mean, people say, is that God wants me to be happy. Well, it's, that's absolutely and completely true-ish. What I mean, like, it's, it sounds true, it feels true, there's a lot of truth to it, but it's not completely true. Now, what do you think, where am I going with this? Yeah, reiterate again, God's a good God. God loves us. God wants to bless our lives. God has a plan for us. All that, but if our bottom line at the end, if our motive at the end is our, is our happiness... That we look at God as that way, it really is a challenge because it, it, it changes just our view and even position of God. 
Because as we look at scripture, is that God is God and, and our, our job is to serve and glorify Him. But when we believe this truest statement that, that God's, the, really the, the bottom line at the end is for us to be happy, it reverses some roles. As someone said, it's, it's looking at God as the cosmic Coke machine. We put our money in, this is what we get out. Or whatever app you have, if, if, if this app you have, there's a God app that you can click, that you can receive something, you can download something, you get something very, you know, you know we say, hey Google, or hey God. And God responds, and, he, and we know He's a loving and caring God that He responds to our prayer. But if, he, if the goal if it, it, at the end is His response to make us happy, what happens is this, as you know this already, is at, at, there comes a some point where we ask of God and call upon God, and we don't get what we hope to want, and we're not happy. If, if God, if the premise is God wants me to be happy, and then and what happens, it puts it out there, and then, then God's failed. And, and I, I see that so many people today, I've been around people, and you've been around people where they say, well, you know, you talk about being a Christian or a follower of Christ, or you go to church, it's like, well, I, I've tried religion. You know, I, I went to church, I tried God, this God thing, but it didn't really make me, it didn't really make me happy. And so either God's not real or he, he's not doing a very good job. And so forget that even, and even forget God. And because what happens is there's this kind of this bottom line, truish statement that God at the end wants me to be happy. It sounds right. It feels right. But what happens when it doesn't happen? There's a pretty simple statement, but I want you to dwell on this for me with us for a few minutes and maybe throughout this week. If, if your goal in life is just to be happy, you never will be. Is that a true statement? If your goal in life, if your, my goal and your goal in life is to just be happy, you never will be. And the reason we know this already, we even called it, it's in, a, it is, it's in the preamble of our Bill of Rights of the United States, is, is, is this, this, this life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Now, why is it called a pursuit? It's because we'll never get it. Pursuing is one thing, but actually, and so wanting, needing, never satisfied, will never be happy. At the end of the day, there comes a place of discouragement, of, of you know, disillusionment. There, there comes a place of just giving up and being hopeless about any of that. And, and, and yet, we're missing something fundamentally if we're bought into that. Now, we know in a rational mind, but you and I, we get sucked into this mentality at the end of the day. It's like, well, what makes me happy? Well, first thing I, I believe fundamentally to start off with this reality is if you can put this down, if happiness is my goal or your goal, then truth is defined by whatever makes me happy. We live in this world of opposition of, of absolute truth. We live in this world and there's two dominant thoughts. There's two dominant uh, views of, of life and even views of truth. One is relativism. Relativism is this belief and assumption that there's no such thing as absolute truth. That we live in a culture that, that says this, that at which absolute truth is something that's true at all times, all circumstances, and for all people. Culture today is believing, by and large our culture, is believing that truth is not constant. That truth evolves. What was wrong back then might not be wrong today. In fact, we're even hearing this opposite as what 
what is right today or what was right one day now is wrong today. So there's not only what was wrong is now it's okay. We're actually hearing some of the opposite. What was, what was right back then is actually wrong today. Now, think about that a little bit and on a very basic level. Tell that to gravity. <laughs> tell that when you're shoved out of an airplane with no parachute and you're, you're flying down into the earth. You know, it's, there, some, something's going to give and it's not, it's, not, it, it's not the earth, okay? Gravity, gravity's gravity. Now, but when people get in that, they don't like that example. Oh, well, you know, morality's different. Is it? Is it different? I think we know that that's not true. But we, we live that way. The other one is subjectivism. And subjectivism is this, it's like relativity, is this fact that it, it's what's determined right and wrong is, is what I determine it. What, what, what I submit to is it. So therefore, I don't have to submit to, to, the, to judgment or authority outside of myself. That there's, if there's no absolute truth, then, you know, basically don't impose your truth on me. Uh, that, that, that could be true for you, but it's, it's not true for me. What is right for you might not be right for me or, or vice versa. Now, I was interacting with a guy a while back about this, and, and, and you know, well, that's good for you, and this is good for me, and we talked, I said, don't you believe in absolute truth? No, no, and everything. I said, and so I really kind of got in this little debate with them, a friendly little conversation. I said, well, then you don't mind me stealing your wallet. And he's like, well, you're a pastor. I said, well, it doesn't matter to you, does it? At the end of the day, what, what's right for me, what I, makes me happy is your, what, what's, what money you have in your wallet. It's what I, is what, if, but it makes me happy, then it's, if it's right to me, well, how could it be wrong to you? Well, it's wrong. Like, I mean, how do, you, how do you win that argument? I mean, it's pretty basic, but people make it very complicated, don't they? So, so just keep that thought of it. If happy is your goal, then truth is defined by whatever makes me happy. And then this, I would say, is this. If happiness becomes the standard, then I can always find a way to justify my actions. At the end of the day, if happiness is what I get, I can figure out all ways to, to justify my actions. People get caught up with excuses all the time of doing wrong in pursuit of happiness. People, I, you, you hear this. I'm sure it's not you, but you hear people out there say, oh, my job sucks. My job's horrible. I don't get paid well. I'm not treated well. I don't get the breaks I'm supposed to get. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, once in a while, or maybe a lot, I, I, I show up late after lunch. You know, I clock in late, or I, I, I take a little bit of the company time. I mean, it's okay. My boss doesn't really pay attention. He doesn't really care. You know, we, we take a little bit of the petty cash. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a job-related activity that we do and, and expense that we have. And, and people began to, you know, gr make things airy in the gray to justify the fact that, hey, I mean, at some point I have a right to, I mean, I have a right to be happy, don't I? You've heard maybe this before, others express, you know, my husband doesn't show a lot of a, a, a love and attention, and I'm, I, I'm with this co-worker all the time, and, and he's really nice to me, and he really, and this is what people say, that he really gets me. He really gets me, I'm thinking. He's really going to get you, actually. That's what's going to happen, right? At the end of the day, they justify they don't get love here, so they get it somewhere else. And it can, it can filter into the church that way, just, just so to get kind of under the skin of some of us. Like, we hear something of someone's, you know, it's pretty private information, and we hear about it from someone else, and we make it a prayer request. 
And so we take that, well, we should be praying, we should be doing, and pretty soon it it turns into juicy gossip that's not really God-oriented at all. We get caught into it. And there's something about, we can justify, in a sense, to what makes us happy, what we think is right, becomes a problem. So at the end of the day, you can't justify whatever you do. Now, next, knowing this, is happiness not only just for our action, we can do this. If happiness is my motive, then what doesn't make me happy is bad. We live in a, a society that, that has, and would Sam say, we get to say, we've, been, we've become a bit soft, haven't we? I mean, the my pillow guy is clean and up, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, if our pursuit of, I mean, he seems like a great guy, but he's getting rich, right? On the quest for culture, to find comfort. Now, we could mock that, and if you have a my pillow, I'm not here to judge you or anything like that. But let's just, just, let's just say that some of you are doing that and harassing people with my pillow. You bought a Snuggie at one point, did you not, right? The backwards bathrobe, right? We're all finding, I'm not saying comfort isn't a good thing, but if our quest is to find our happy place, we really can get thrown off because at the end, if we're not feeling it, then it must be bad. I recently saw someone put this formula up of equation of happiness. And this is it. It's better possessions plus peaceful circumstances plus thrilling experiences plus the right relationships plus the perfect appearance equals happiness. Now, some of you are looking like, well, we're missing a little bit more on there. There's a couple more pluses you could put in there to make your ultimate happiness. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? But we get so caught up in, in trying for happiness and recognizing that this is that the reality is this. If it's not comfortable, it's bad. Actually, what is, what is good is actually hard. What is actually good is hard. Some of you are with me. You're striving to be healthy. So if you want to strive to be healthy, you have to put down the fork, pick up the barbell, right? If you want to get somewhere and make a difference or grow in your faith, it takes work. It's not always fun, but it's, it's, it's needed in our life. If you want quality, loving, and peaceful relationships, it's going to require, require conflict. It's, it's putting down the phone and, and actually sitting with a person and talking through, working through issues, working through relationship. And yet we get caught in. I, I hear this a lot, a lot of people about well-being or I, I, mindfulness. That's a new term people use. There, there's a, I just have to have a self-aware of a mindfulness. I'm not saying you shouldn't have self-awareness. That's a very important part of your reality. When you look in the mirror and you're dealing with what you deal with, but we can get caught up. And, and, and hear me on this. And I, I'm going to say this and I might regret it. Second service, I'll apologize. Is this. And this is a statement. So I'm risking it here. If, if therapy is what you need and counseling is what you need, that's wonderful. But if you're continuing to go to therapy and counseling and not practicing it, what is the point? Therapy is important. Talking through your feelings. But until you're willing to sit down and do, deal with it, you've got to have the tools, you've got to have the mindfulness, all that's important as you go in. But you have to actually do it at some point. But it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. What does that have to do with it? It's work. It takes work. So let's be careful to believe that, that uh, you know, a kind of, uh, uh, that, 
any kind of discomfort, any kind of delay, any kind of risk, any kind of suffering, any kind of inconveniences or obstacles obviously cannot be God's will. Actually, quite the contrary. It's through his will that there's work that is going to be done that needed to be done. So we have to be careful. We can walk down this trail that seems right, that feels right, that's true-ish in the pursuit of happiness. But what happens is this. We begin to worship the false god of comfort, money, pleasure, and things because at the end of the day, this true statement or true-ish statement is, well, God just wants me to be happy. Back in the 90s, Sheryl Crow sang a song. If it makes you happy, it can't be bad. Now, I would sing that song to you today, but if I sang it, you wouldn't be happy. And so I'm not going to sing it. But that is a a declaration at the end of relativism, of what we want, of making this pursuit of happiness that we get caught up in that will never actually get. See, we, we know this to be true, and this, this is be honest with this, is that the downfall of the pursuit of happiness eventually leads to hurt and, and destruction. The downfall of the pursuit of happiness eventually leads to hurt and discussion. I was reminded this week, reading through the book of Judges, where the, there was a great generation, the generation of Joshua. They were the, that was the generation that was led into the promised land. They, 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 the conquest that took place and they, they spread out in the land. They divided into 12 tribes and these 12, these 12 groups and, and the nation grew. And there's this wonderful, amazing generation. And this is what it says in Judges though, after this great generation. It says, the people served the Lord through the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had all had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Look at verse 10. It says, after the whole generation had been, had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither, neither knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. So about 330 years in this time gap that the people did what they wanted to do to make themselves happy. In fact, later on in, in Judges 17, there was a summary of all that was taking place. It says, those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And what transpired was this cycle. You, may, you maybe have you know, heard of the spin cycle actually on your washing machine. It's the sin cycle. And the sin cycle was this. It was disobedience, disaster, and deliverance. Disobedience, disaster, and, and, and deliverance. What would happen? Disobedience. That they, they forgot God, that God was not their king. They only, and they're going to do what they want to do, and when I want to do it, just to make me happy, I'm going to do what I want. And they began to go down this road of disobedience, and the, in, the, in the disobedience, what it ended up was the, the consequences of that led to disaster. That God allowed to take place. And God even initiated. There was, there was diseases and plagues. There was more than anything. They, they, were, they, were, uh, cap, they were taken captive. They, they were defeated by nations that come in and bring them in captivity. And then what do they do out of that disaster and calamity? They would cry out to God. God, deliver us. Help us. Rescue us. And guess what? God did. 
And then what happened? They were good for a while. And then the next generation, guess what? Disobedience. Well, it led to it. Disaster. And then deliverance. Oh, God got them out of it. Again, deliver, you know, disobedience, disaster, deliverance. Disobedience, disaster, deliverance. Over and over, this, this sin cycle continued. Now, does that sound familiar to anybody you know? <laughs> You know, we don't have to be religious. We don't have to even go to church. We, we get that. We get that. When we, when we do something when we want to do, when we want to do it, just because we make it happy, guess what? There's a, there's a price to be paid, and we've experienced the consequences. You don't, have to be, you don't have to believe in God to know that happens, the consequences of life. But we get delusional, thinking it won't happen to us. We're just the exception. We fall in this false belief. As long as it makes you happy, no one gets hurt, it's okay. How many know somebody at the end of the day will get hurt? You, you can't do what you're, is right in your own eyes without eventually hurting someone. You see, what's right for you is not right for me. Your pursuit of happiness actually can be a harm to my experiences, vice versa. Think about the, the injustice that's happened in the world. Think about slavery. Think about all that's happened and, and, and rights are been imposed, taking away from, you know, taking away from women and children and the vulnerable and all, these, all that's taken place. All I have to say is what's happened is people, man, seen what was right in his own eyes and there was a price to pay. And you've experienced that price. You've experienced, you've experienced that, that price to be paid. Well, what the other generations have done have led to the dysfunction that you're in. And even the choices we've made, we would say that some of our misguided freedom became the master over us. What, when we began to say, well, no one's going to tell me what to do. I have the right to be happy has led to these consequences. See, you know, you know this already. Sin, what does sin do? It would take, it takes you, it, it, it takes you farther than you ever thought you would ever go and cause you to pay the price that you never, ever thought you would ever pay. You're, you've hurt people that care about you because a lot of times we forget in our midst of, I'm gonna do what I wanna do when I don't wanna do it. Guess what? There's people out there that love us. And what does it do? It brings worry. It brings stress. Well, you don't have to worry about me. No, we do because we love you. We care about you. And some of you know the pain that I've experienced when others chose just to be happy. You've, you know that those that you've hurt, the people that come after you. And there's a sacrifice that's made on the altar of happiness. And it's come with a price. Proverbs wisely tells us, Solomon says, there is a way that appears to be right, but the end leads to death. Listen, if your goal in life is to be happy, you never ever will be. And that's why God offers an amazing promise in his goodness. We talk about God being good, right? God wanting the best for us. Here's his best for us. It comes with a warning. John tells us this, about loving the world. It says, do not love the world. So here's this whole pursuit of happiness. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of the Father will live forever. Who, who lives forever. Forever is a long time. Forever is perfect. Forever in God. 
and his love and, and lives for him forever because doing the will of God. Now, so where do we go? Well, I, it, it's this. It's to go beyond happy. To live beyond happy. That happiness is not the pursuit any longer, but God's will is. That God's will is. And so here's just a few thoughts I have. You can put them in before we wrap up. To be happy. Actually, I'm sorry. To be beyond happy. Is, here's a few things to encourage you. First is this. is Rather than pursuing happiness is to pursue holiness. When it, back in the late 80s, one of my first Christian books I ever received, I think I still have it on my shelf, is called The Pursuit of Happiness, uh, Pursuit of Hol- Holiness, sorry. The Pursuit of Holiness, which the author is Jerry Bridges. And I found this quote the other day, and I was going through and, you know, looking up pers- the pursuing holiness, and this popped up. Holiness has to do with more than mere acts. Our motives must be holy. That is, arising from a desire to do something simply because it's the will of God. Our thoughts should be holy since they're known to God even before they're formed in our minds. I love what he's saying is that holiness is not just the act. There's definitely the acts of holiness, living in holiness, but it's actually a mindset, as we heard earlier, the, the same attitude is that of Christ Jesus, that we're living differently in this way. And scripture talks about this pursuit of this type of level of holiness. It says this, First Peter says this, but now you must be happy, I'm sorry, be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy, for the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. Now, a lot of times when we hear this scripture, people talk about being holy, we get a lot of, very, a lot of confusing, uh, confusion in, this, in this, these verses. Because what happens, we get in this mindset of holiness, that holiness equals perfection, or at least trying to be perfect. And so people will say this, I can't go to church because I can't live up to it. I can't be like those people. Well, and or we have a view of holiness that holiness is actually kind of boring. It's kind of strict. It's kind of stringent. It's kind of, it's, there's no fun involved. And I think what's happened a long ways, some people have given holiness a bad name because we ran into church people in our past around us that are kind of boring. They're kind of stingy. They're kind of, they're, they're kind of strict. They're not very happy. They're, there's not about a lot of love and joy in their life. They're like, I don't think that's holiness. That sounds harsh. That sounds brutal. Now, we need to make sure we understand holiness. Holiness is not about being perfect. Holiness is defined as this, to be set apart for special purpose. Pursuing holiness is setting, moving in, as John says, into the will of God beyond being happy. If you go to my house, if you want to come over, let me know. You can come over and, and you can see in our, our china cabinet, you're going to see some wonderful, beautiful china. It's not because we're rich, it's that we've outlived some people. Got my wife's grandma's china, got my mom's china, and we have some china. Some people thought when we were younger, when we were young married, that we needed some breakables to take care. Here's some fine china. Put this in a cabinet under glass and, and don't take it out until special occasions, which we're still trying to figure out when those special occasions are. But it's under glass. You can come over and I, you, I feel free to take a look at it, but don't touch it, Okay. I mean, I'll tell you, if you break it, you're not a friend any longer, okay? It's, it's precious. It's precious. Now, go with me on this thought. Can I remind us, before Christ, we were all Chinette plate, paper plates. We weren't China. See, that flies in the face of the world that says, oh, you're basically good. I'm basically, well, I'm no Mother Teresa, but I'm far from being Hitler, right? And we grade ourselves on a curve and we, we think, okay, this is good enough or not, I'm not that bad. And, they, and we categorize. Scripture makes it very clear. We're either holy or not holy. 
<laughs> we either, it, 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 without Christ, we need to know this, all of us are unclean. All of us are righteous acts. We're called filthy rags. And that's why First John it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and, and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, outside of Jesus' sacrifice and his blood shed, we, and we are in sin, we are throwaways. We are to be used and discarded. In fact, in our pursuit of happiness, some of you have felt like garbage in the process. Some of you have felt like you've been used, you've been abused, and, and people have done things to you, you've done things to people, and at the end of the day, your faults and your failures make you feel like trash. Make you feel, as, as Shane shared in the worship time, make us feel that we're something we're not. See, if, I want to remind us, if you are in Christ, if the blood of Christ is upon your life and you're a follower of Jesus, you are holy before God. You are fine china. But the difference between the fine china sitting in my china cabinet and who we are is this. We are set not apart just to be on a shelf. We are set apart for divine purpose. We are set apart for specific work that God's called us to do. And so to be holy is not to be perfect, the be holy is to be set apart as an example of Christ. Not to keep our nose clean, not to look pretty, but to actually get our hands dirty. To actually be used every day where, throughout the week, through every meal, every opportunity can, to love, to serve, to reach out and help those in our need. The Bible says, each day the Lord has made and has called us to rejoice and to be glad in it, to pursue Holiness, to pursue the purposes of God and who we are. Special called by God to do that. It's far beyond happy. Now, speaking of rejoicing, beyond happy is this, is that we choose joy. We simply encourage each other to choose joy. Now, you know this, all right? Happy is different. No, joy, happy, we get the word happenstance, happenings. What makes us happy is the circumstances that affect our life. But when the circumstances aren't good, well, we're not happy. Joy is completely different. Joy is beyond circumstances. You could even say supernatural. It would have to be. James tells us this. He says this, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because what? You know the testing of your faith. What does it do? It develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you become mature and complete. And I love this part. Not lacking anything. That's beyond happy. That's moving in a place. See, Christ-likeness, it takes work. It takes energy. It takes a lot. And it's not about happiness. It's, it's actually moving in a place of joy, pure joy, pure joy that comes from the Lord, pure joy that gets us through. At the end of the day, we find where we find people that are battling cancer. We have find people that are suffering. We find people that are in the horrible, horrible circumstances, and they have some kind of joy within them. What is that? It's Jesus. It's Jesus that brought them through and what they experienced. It's, it's something happiness can never bring. So I encourage you with this. Rejoice is a choice. Rejoice is a choice. 20 times Jesus and the New Testament writers write and say to and command us to rejoice. And that means to choose joy. Apostle Paul tells us so many places, in fact, twice in one verse to make sure we get it is this, rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, I, I say it again, rejoice, rejoice. 
Here's my default when I wake up. I'm just admitting this on a Monday or a Wednesday or whatever day, and some down days, some off days, it's this. I wake up and I re-worry. I wake, I wake up and I re-stress. I wake up and I re, you know, whatever it is in a negative way. I got, there's a calling here for you and I is this. No, we need to rejoice. And that is to re-up in joy every day. We choose joy. I believe this is true and well in the midst of traffic and getting kids to school, bills, health issues, tough situation, preparing for whatever snowmageddon's going to happen this week. But for us to rise above the happenings and live in a state of mind of joy and well-being. To choose joy. And the source of our joy is Jesus and only Jesus. Which leads to finally is this. And the end of the day, when more than happy is this, is to live blessed. Is to live blessed. God did not want us to be happy. He wants us to be blessed. At the end of the day, the motive is blessing. Now, is, how, is there a difference? There is. In the Greek, the word blessed actually means this, supremely happy. <laughs> and so you could say this, even dumb it down a little bit, more than happy. To be more than happy, to be supremely happy, beyond happy. This is a game changer when we stop focusing on on happiness, but also blessing. What is blessing? Blessing is a a life of gratitude and what all God has blessed us with. Scripture talks about blessed throughout, but I love Psalms where it says this, blessed, now remember, blessed means more than happy or supremely happy, are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Remember that earlier we had this definition of happiness, this plus this plus this plus this plus this. This is what I, we put up here, what it's saying is fear plus joyful obedience equals blessed. Fear plus joyful obedience. Fear is this. Is, is, is not scared of God, being in awe of God in his holiness. Delighting is this. It's the opposite of duty. Well, I got to do this and I got to do that. And no, joyful obedience is going, no, I serve amazing, loving, awesome God, and I can't help but be obedient to him. I can't help in delighting in his commands, the word of God that helps me and grows me and, and develops me. That's where I find the source of strength and peace and rest that's beyond happiness will ever I'm going to invite our team to come as we close here. And as they do, I, uh, the other day, I, I, I don't really have an office. And so I, I kind of move around different places. And so to be honest with you, sometimes I go to places where I'm like, this is not a very inspiring place. Oh, I'll just pick up and take my backpack and go somewhere else. And I just felt prompted one morning to go out to Semiamu, to the, to the marina out there, a little cafe. And it's a perfect little spot, you know, looking over the boats and the water. And it was just, it was kind of a neat moment. I'm working away. In fact, working on things I share with you today. And I heard a familiar voice. And I turned around and there was a, a friend from high school that I hadn't seen for a long time. I bumped in him for a few times, but it'd been a long time. And we connected and caught up a little bit and, and we continued to talk. I had no place to really go and he probably was kind of like, I don't worry about work, I'll punch in later. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and he began to share that close to 30 years of marriage, him and his wife got divorced. I remember him sharing right out of high school. I remember hearing, you know, uh, she got pregnant and so they got married right away and then they, they raised, you know, three kids and, and he goes, I, I, I don't know what it was. He goes, I, I came home each day and mowed the lawn, we barbecued, we went camping and we lived close to 30 years together and she says, that's it. And this is what he said. He said this, he goes, I thought we were, 
I thought we were happy. Here's a question I have for you. Do you want more than happy? Do you want to be more than happy? Jesus says this, to be more than happy is this, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and what? And all these things. What are the things? All the things that we're pursuing for happiness. Things of this world, the, the hopes, the dreams, desires, the possessions, everything we acquire. All those things will be added to us as well. The order is this. We seek God. We seek his blessing. Yes, it's fine to seek his blessing, but we're seeking him first. And the blessing comes. That's, that's living a blessed life. That's living beyond happy. I, I look around in this church and being here 11 years as a pastor and seeing faces of people that have lived beyond happy. There's people in this room that, that bring joy to me and I can tell they've lived a blessed life. It's on their face. It's the way they express themselves, but it's beyond anything in this world. This morning, Donna Amuel is here and it's her birthday. Can I say it? Your 87th birthday today. Can you raise your hand? And sitting with her... Sitting with her to her right is four, there's, there's four generations, her son, her grandson, her great-granddaughter. And I'm going, you know what? Come on. What, what does a blessed life look like? It's, it's the investment and the people that we have and the people that we love. Let's pursue God. Let's seek first. His blessing will come. And, and, and when it does, we can give praise and gratitude and to him who deserves it all. So we seek him first. Will you stand with me as we close here today? And let's pray together. Oh, Jesus, we know all this. I don't think there's anything new we heard today necessarily, but we need to be reminded of this, that it's all about you. It is all about seeking you first. Oh, Lord, may we repent of our pursuit of comfort and of happiness. God, break us. Break our hearts. We repent of this pursuit of seeking pleasure and seeking everything but you, Lord. Oh, God, as we confess that to you, Lord, may we lay down happiness and we would pick up the pursuit of holiness. We would choose joy, that we would live blessed because of who you are and all that you've done. That we can leave this place knowing that our lives are blessed, knowing that we're called by you, set apart for divine purposes to be used. Not as throwaways, not as rejects to be taught, to discarded, but as fine china, holy and pleasing unto you as our act of worship, living our lives unto you, Lord. God, I pray for those that are not happy right now. I pray for those that are in difficult circumstances right now. That, God, that you would use those circumstances to grab hold of their heart, to teach them, to mold them, to shape them, that they would see the work, God, that you're doing in their life. And in that, they would choose joy in the midst of pain. They would pursue you, Lord, in all of it. We would pursue you even in the happy times. We would not coast in our faith. And so God, go with us in that motive that we live this blessed life, not that we deserve it, but all that you've done and want to do as we are blessed, Lord, that we can be a blessing to those in our lives we, as we choose you beyond any idea or any thought to make us happy. And at the end, we will find fulfillment. At the end, we will do the will of God. And when we do, we can. And the promise is that we will live forever with you.
It's so worth it. We thank you in Jesus' name.